Anytime that you have some sort of a health scare, and it doesn't even have to be personal, it can be you or someone that is really close to you, it really just makes you think about what truly is important to you and also what your real values are and who you really are. What is your real purpose? Early to bed and early to rise makes a man healthy, wealthy, and wise. That might've been Benjamin Franklin. It might've been somebody else. Today, this is the Passive Wealth Strategies for Busy Professionals podcast. I'm your host, Taylor Lote. And today we are talking about those topics of being healthy, wealthy, and wise, being more well-rounded. Normally here, we focus on financial wealth. Today, we're more focusing on your well-being with Dr. Dawn Baker. She is a cancer survivor, a mother, a doctor, and she has just a fantastic story and a, a fantastic strategy, if you will, for you, for us, for everybody to be more well-rounded, more satisfied, and practice balance. That is her website, practicing, I'm sorry, that is her website, practicebalance.com. And today we're talking about having more balance in your life. And we'll get into what that means. We'll talk more about her experience and things that she learned through her cancer diagnosis and how she's applied these lessons of balance to her life. For those of you who are new to the show, I'm your host, Taylor Lote. I'm a real estate investor, real estate syndicator. I buy real estate with passive investors and split the return. I think this is a huge topic that's not talked about enough today. And that's what we're going to do. Without any further ado, here we go with Dr. Don Baker. Don, thank you for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me. Thrilled to talk with you. You have a powerful story and a very important message for uh, folks out there when it, when it comes to balancing our financial interests with our personal life, our daily lives, and, and how we're living our lives. For the folks out there who don't know about your background, don't know about your history, can let's break into that. Tell us about yourself and uh, what you do, please. Well, I am an anesthesiologist by profession. I also am a writer and a speaker and a life coach on work-life balance. I'm a mom and a wife and uh, very into outdoors, fitness, and uh, health in general. Um, I came into my profession from engineering, actually. I worked as an engineer for a while and traveled a ton and decided that I really wanted to do something more service-oriented. So I went into the long process that it takes to getting to be a doctor. Very excitedly, was was really just very psyched to learn something new. And uh, that is a very long road, as you know got through part of my training and then started to have some health challenges. And I really attributed all of it to burnout and learned a lot of lessons along the way about how to manage burnout and how to manage stress and how to kind of particularly care for myself, which is different than you caring for you or someone else caring for themselves. And it turned out that the the real thing that was wrong with me was that I actually had a brain tumor. So during my training in residency um, for anesthesiology, I ended up going to have a big brain surgery, have a, a kind of some lasting minor disability with that. And so that was another lesson that really 
stuck with me about taking care of yourself and being very aware of things that are going on in your body and your mind as you're doing all of the professions and all the roles that you wear and all the hats that you wear um, as part of your life. I mean, that that is a huge thing to have happen, you know, in your early life, your young life, you're, you're out there, you're, I'm going to go to med school, I'm going to do this great thing. And then you have your, your mortality thrust in your face in a way for something that many of us fear, a, a cancer diagnosis. And I mean, and you, sur- you survived, clearly, but in, in moving forward, how do you, you know, apply that to, especially getting into a very high demand profession. I mean, it's not easy to be a doctor and you have this knowledge in your mind. You've experienced and, and seen your own mortality and, and picturing your life and how you want to live your life alongside that. I mean, how do you move forward and, and build that balance to uh, pull from your brand? Yeah, I think that any time that you have some sort of a health scare, and it doesn't even have to be personal, it can be you or someone that is really close to you, it really just makes you think about what truly is important to you and also what your real values are and who you really are. What is your real purpose? So that was what came to mind when I had this experience was kind of stepping back and saying to myself, hold up, am I doing the things that I want to do? Am I aligned with who I want to be in life and where I want to go, the things that really matter to me most. And I did so much introspection during that time, besides just the fact that I had to convalesce from an illness. I also had to kind of redefine myself and think about my identities and figure out what I wanted to keep and what I wanted to throw away. And that's the real lesson, I think, for everybody. You don't have to get to the point where you have this major health crossroads or major trauma situation in order to take stock of your life and build that balance by just figuring out who you really are and who your authentic self is. I think for, you know, for a lot of us, right, we might not tend to to think about that until we hit that situation. So it's it's good you're out there, you know, pointing out pointing this out to us that we don't necessarily have to hit that point to have that introspection. But, you know, especially for for driven people who end up being doctors or, or lawyers, I mean, most of our listeners out there are have very demanding careers and, you know, they're high paid and they're focusing on that, that career and, and growing. But, you know, in stepping away from that, what are some techniques to, uh, you know, maybe that's crass to boil it down to techniques, but to be introspective? I mean, how can people really get started on that? No, I think that's a really important question. And it's very true that a lot of us are just going through our kind of the hoops that we need to jump through to get that next degree, certification, that next um, level of status at work. And we're not thinking about those things. And so when this stuff happened to me, that was when I decided that I really wanted to share with people the things that I had learned just from my own study and from my own introspection. And so I started writing my blog and then I started speaking on these things and coaching people one-on-one. And I have come up with some definitely definite techniques that you can use. And they aren't all completely 
unattainable or something that you can't do on your own. Really, I would say that the first thing is that people need to come up with ways that they resonate with that kind of give them a sense of joy, a sense of relaxation, ways that they figure out that stress is relieved if they do these certain practices. So those are different for everyone. And that's the key is too, that one thing that works for someone isn't necessarily going to work for you. So you have to do some experimentation and it takes some time and it takes some being alone too and kind of thinking about it on your own. And a lot of people don't really want to think by themselves and be alone. We're always working around other people and then we're watching TV or we're with our families, but sometimes you have to take some time off. So one thing I do recommend to people in the beginning is taking even just a day where they're quiet, not with social media, not with television and other inputs, if you can't take a vacation. If you can take a vacation, even a short one, like a weekend, it's really nice to have some solitude time. But not everybody can do that in the the circumstance that they're in at the moment. So even just a quiet day to think about things, journal on things. Not everyone likes to write, but that's another really key thing that I like to tell people is to do some sort of reflection exercise. It doesn't have to be writing pen to paper. It can be like if you're really used to dictating, use your dictation and um, write yourself some or dictate yourself some notes there. Um, And then there are some other things that I recommend to people along the way, which are doing self-assessment questionnaires and quizzes. There are some easy, really easy ones on the website uh, or on the web that people can do that they don't have to pay a ton of money for or have the guidance of like a psychologist or something like that. Um, those are the first few steps that, that I kind of recommend to everyone and that I start my coaching clients on as well. Interesting. So what do you, what would you say, maybe there is a through line here, maybe there is, and I don't know, but is there a through line, I guess, is really the question of what do most people kind of realize, or is it really just all over the place? I mean, is there a trend or is it the trend is that there is no trend in what people realize? And you mean for realizing what, like what their values are or like, what works for them for stress management? Yeah, I mean, e- either way, really, what when they come out of that introspection time, do they realize that, you know, I'm spending too much time working or I'm not spending enough time working or I spend my money frivolously or I got to call my parents more? Or, you know, that that's just kind of a smattering of things. But there's that old saying or that old, um, I hate to call it a trope, but they in- go went and interviewed uh, hospice doctors and nurses and those uh, folks who spend a lot of time with people who are on their deathbeds or last couple of days, none of them say, I wish I would have worked more. All of them say, I wish I would have spent more time with family or doing things I enjoy, wish I would have traveled more, whatever, things like that. Is there anything like that? You know, people who are not on their deathbeds, but take some time to be introspective, have typical realizations or is is it all over the place? I would say that there are a couple of really common themes um, in my experience talking to many people about these topics. And one of them is that relationships are in most people's value set and relationships 
are either something that they extremely value or something that uh, helps them to regain joy and to de-stress. Now, the relationships can be all over the place as far as who that relationship is with, a parentship or spousal relationship, or even certain work relationships. And the idea is that the person realizes that they really like to um, work in a certain kind of a team or something of that nature, um, and that it really sparks their creativity to work in that kind of environment. But so relationships is one really common theme, I would say. And then the second thing is making some sort of progress, like not being stagnant. People inherently want to have a purpose and they want to have something that they're getting better at. Now, the issue is, I would say for hard-charging professionals like us, like physicians, lawyers, engineers, other professionals, is that we tend to get on this thing that I call the hedonic treadmill of achievement. It's like the hedonic treadmill of buying things and getting the nicer car and getting the nicer house. At some point, it becomes this like, train that's going off the rails and you can't really stop it. It's the same with success and achievement. So um, there is the idea that we want to be moving forward and we want to be making progress on things, but you don't want to get in that position where you're saying yes to everything. So that's where other values come into play and individual values of like, what matters to you? Do you really want to be incorporating some things in your life um, more that aren't there right now, such as like travel or um, spending more time with your, your children or maybe elderly relatives or something like that? So that's where the kind of the variations come into play. So, I mean, I'd like to now take that strategy, technique, what have you, and kind of turn that spotlight back on, on you and your life and understand how some of these introspective practices or, or what have you have impacted you in, in your personal life, your professional life, maybe some changes that you've made along the way that have um, maybe weren't, so to speak, in the best interest of career achievement, but were in the best interest of your personal fulfillment, personal life that came out of these practices. Yeah, I definitely have a lot of examples of that because <laughs> I've, <laughs> I've done things pretty unconventionally for your typical doctor. Um, I've always been a little bit of a, a different thinker. I would say that uh, when I met my husband at a young age, early 20s, we were rock climbing and traveling all over the world and kind of doing things differently. We graduated a little later pursued our careers off track, unconventionally, did not go straight through and do the schooling exactly the way that most people do in, in the exact timeline. And I always knew that I wanted to continue that as part of my life. And so when I went into medicine, I knew that I wanted to have a career where I could still do some of these travels and incorporate the outdoor activity and the fitness and health things that I really love to do. But I didn't know exactly how that was going to play out and how it was going to, what it was going to look like. 
So you get into the medical school and you get into the residency and you just put your head down and you're just trying to jump through the hoops and get through. But when I had this this situation where I had a wake-up call from being sick, I was then again reminded of those things that I really cared about, which is that I wanted to be able to travel more. I wanted to be able to take longer chunks of time off. So what that means is there's certain fields in medicine that I'm not going to go into because I don't want to have recurring clinic appointments with patients that I see, for example, like every, you know, X number of weeks or something like that. So I chose anesthesiology. Now, even in a field like that where you don't have a, um, a recurring set of patients in clinic, you still can run the gamut from someone who works super part-time to like a person that is working tons of hours and is putting in, wearing all the hats, doing the research, doing teaching, doing administrative roles, you know, in, in like a, a, you know, high achieving academic practice. Now I knew I didn't want to be that person too. And having my health challenges just reinforced that even more. So I was kind of getting into drinking the Kool-Aid and looking at some fellowships I was very excited about a certain fellowship that blended engineering with anesthesiology. It's this kind of like high-tech echocardiography field that, that we use intraoperatively. And I got really excited about it. And there are some um, big mentors at the training you know, place where I trained. But then I realized as I stepped back and as I got sick, like, hold up a minute. I don't think I really want to go down that road. And so I, I walked away from it. And I was told that I was good at this stuff. I really understood the math. I understood the ultrasound. Um, and so it's hard when people tell you, um, this is something that you're good at. You have a strength in this field. But then you realize that there's some other negatives about it that you don't want to go down. I didn't want to go down the road of doing the extra years of training. And I also didn't want the lifestyle that I foresaw as going with that choice of, of having that, that training. And so I stepped back. I decided not to do a fellowship. So straight out of my medical training, I actually chose a part-time job. And that's not a common thing, but I chose it knowing that I wasn't going to make the kind of money that, you know, everybody in the field was making. When I had my daughter, I even cut back even more. And I remember my chairman saying to me, well, you're making this much right now. If you cut back, you're going to make this much. And I said, yeah, okay, and it didn't matter to me. So that's another unconventional thing that I did. Um, I think that just the, in the end, the dollar amount that you're making isn't the only thing in the world, obviously, as you already alluded to. On your deathbed, are you going to look at your net worth numbers? Or are you going to look at the yearly salary you're making and um, be worried about that or have regrets. No, you're going to be regretting other things. Like you didn't go do the travel that you said that you wanted to do, for example. I think that's so important to you. It's, it's critical, right? Because, you know, I'm, it, we all have these realizations in our lives where at some point, you know, you made a choice in your past that put you in a certain direction and maybe you missed out on something, whether it was a trip you wanted to go on that now maybe you don't have the time for, or something along those lines where you could have grabbed at the opportunity and, and you didn't do it. And we need to 
learn these lessons. If we want to, if we want to change that, we have to make a change and take advantage of some of those opportunities and and go, you know, run through the field of flowers or something, whatever that is, whatever, take the opportunities uh, that are in front of us. So, you know, before we move on to the next part of the next part of the show, I really wanted to just bring up any other lessons that you work with your coaching clients on uh, that are, are relevant here. You know, once you do that introspective day, what's the what's the next step? Is it take action, move forward? It's a long process of self-awareness. And I'm not even an expert. I'm helping other people do it, but I'm always practicing self-awareness. And my blog is called Practice Balance. My whole business is called Practice Balance. It's always a practice. That work-life balance, it gets it gets out a little bit sometimes and, and then you have to bring it back in. You're always thinking about these things. And so I remind clients about that. This is a marathon and not a sprint. You're not going to be able to do a few things and then just step out and the world is perfect and roses, like you said. But next steps are to do a lot of thought work. Make sure that you are able to control your thoughts and master your thoughts. So you get out of the victim mindset and into the growth mindset. What can I do to change my situations? I have the power to change my situations. So it's reinforcing that with people and making sure that they understand that they are in more control than they realize. And once they figure out their values, then trying to align their current life with their ideal life through what they value the most, um, what are their kind of core things that they want to focus on and want to care about. Um, other lessons I would say is just that it is okay to be different. We all have different ways that we respond to stress, different ways that we learn, different ways that we thrive and that we burn out, different things that kind of like feed our energy and take away from our energy. And that's the thing that in doing all these self-knowledge um, deep dives that I've done over the years that I've figured out is that I am unique and so is every other single person. And when you realize that, it actually makes your relationship with yourself better, but it also makes your relationships with others better because you realize that if I'm this unique person, I'm a unique unicorn. I mean, it's kind of a cliche, but it's so true. Then so are you. And so is everybody else. And so we can give each other grace because I may not understand exactly the other person's motivations, but they have their own um, kind of set of of default settings and, and things that, that are going on in their head that are different than mine. Wow. I love that. And I think that's a great way to look at things once you realize that, hey, I'm, a, I'm an imperfect person with my own flaws and history and all those things. And so is that person. So I should treat them a little more kindly and, and recognize that in them. And that, that's great. So, wow. And, and you know, I think all, I, I love that it's a, it's a practice, too, because in this, I, I hate to crap on the modern day, but we're always looking for the hack, the three-step process, uh, process that's going to turn us into, you know, the next Jeff Bezos or, you know, turn us into the next, uh, you know, Buddha, whatever. And it's not, it's not realistic to expect uh, 
30 minute podcast to change your life. But, you know, these things, these lessons, they can set you on a new trajectory, but you need to work on it every single day and practice and and continually improve. Right now, we're going to take a quick break for our sponsor. All right, Don, I've got three questions. I ask every guest on the show. Are you ready? All right, great. Number one, what is the best investment you ever made other than in your education? So since I am not a quantitative finance person, my answers are not going to be quantitative quantitative finance things. But my best investment besides my education is really in my relationship with my spouse. My husband and I have been together since uh, kind of college age, uh, early, early 20s. And we have really grown together and worked on a relationship over the years. And I say this in terms of it being an investment because it takes a lot of work to have a great marriage and to stay together in today's you know, age of, I think over half, half of people separate or get divorced. But also from a financial perspective, breaking up a relationship is really, really expensive. Um, and the longer you've been together and the more kind of shared assets you have and or other family members like offspring, the harder it is. So I think relationships are super important. And if you want a really good piece of financial advice, it's don't get divorced. But of course, that <laughs> isn't always, it's not always a, you know, a, a possibility. But um, it's definitely my my biggest investment besides my education. Nice. Love that. We had the best investment. Now we go to the worst investment. What is the worst investment you ever made? My worst investment is a lack of investment, which is that when I was straight out of my undergrad, I actually went to work as an engineer and I worked for a few years before I realized that I really wanted to go and become a doctor, as I had mentioned. And I had the dream job out of you know, 22 years old out of undergrad engineering, where uh, it was a job with a semiconductor company. And they were paying me a high, relatively high salary for the times. And I squandered it big time. I did not save my money. And that was a mistake because here I am at 46 years old and that money could have really grown into something. I do have some of it, but what I did was really the conventional thing of being excited and seeing the stars and the dollar signs and going out and getting a super nice apartment, buying tons of work clothes, spending all my money on um, things that I didn't necessarily need to spend money on, and then only putting the minimum amount into the retirement accounts, whereas I should have really done that backwards and I should have maximized the retirement accounts and uh, just continued living like a college student really, that's where the joy is anyway. And nowadays, I can kind of keep perpetuating that lifestyle. So, <laughs> so that was my, that's my regret. The time value of money and, and invested properly. I think uh, there are a lot of folks, I can't say, I can't say us in our 20s anymore, so in my 30s. But, you know, I saw a lot of my friends, colleagues, you know, not making those early investments. And the, the, time horizon. You have so much amount of time to let those investments compound that I I think there's no really good reason not to do that for yourself in your future. But uh, we're preaching to the choir here anyway, passive wealth strategies. (laughs) 
My favorite question here at the end of the show is what is the most important lesson that you've learned in business and investing? So kind of, kind of similar to what I was saying um, earlier about lessons in balance and stress management, I really feel like the most important lesson that I've learned in business is to do what's right for you and be authentic to you. Don't try to do what everyone else is doing just because every single person is putting their money into a certain syndication doesn't mean that you need to do it if it doesn't work for you. Um, be okay with being different and um, don't follow someone else's formula for getting rich or um, passive investment because it may not be right for you. We've done things a little bit differently than other people. For instance, we had real estate and um, had a like a duplexes that we were renting. And then we decided to go against that because we just didn't really didn't really enjoy it. Didn't feel like it, it was as passive as we wanted it to be. And people are like, oh, what are you doing? This is a great investment. Don't do that anymore. But we, um, we just, yeah, we got out of it. So be you and know who you are. Nice. I love that. Just out of curiosity, you got out of the duplexes. What did you get into back in the stock market or something else? Yeah, we um, took our money out of those and we did it at the right time. I think, you know, you don't necessarily want to sell at the bottom of the market. I mean, if, you know, you're doing something that is a real estate investment and it's going okay, but it's not like the perfect thing, you just kind of keep going with it for a while. But once the prices were high, uh, we we sold our, our duplex homes and um, we have our money basically just invested in index funds right now. And we may end up buying, and we're currently looking at a land investment, but that would be something that we would use as an investment mixed with uh, personal enjoyment. So we have to find the exact right thing for that, but we're on the lookout. <laughs> nice. If anybody out there knows of a good big piece of land, yeah, maybe, maybe that's an option for you. I don't know. In the Western United States. In the Western United States. Perfect. Yeah, that's that narrows it down. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you for joining us today on these lessons. I think they're super important. And, you know, there's the, this old saying about the unexamined life that I'm not even going to try to to dig up. But, um, you know, I, I think sitting down and thinking about these things and then having a practice is super important. And I'm glad you're putting those lessons out there. If folks want to learn more about you, more about your blog, anything like that, where can they find you? Yeah, you can find me on practicebalance.com. That is where I write regular blog posts. There is a page on there uh, that will allow you to subscribe to my newsletter and get a worksheet for introspection that can kind of be a jump starter. You can do a little bit of self-work. And if you want more help, I offer a free discovery call. Everyone can book through my website and it's on the work with me page on my website. The other most common social media platform that I'm on is Instagram and my handle is practice balance and I love posting photographs. So I'm pretty active there as well. Great. Well, I'm getting more active on Instagram too. So I might be tagging you there soon. So excellent. To everybody out there, thank you for tuning in. If you're enjoying the show, please leave us a rating review on Apple Podcasts. Very much appreciated. It helps other people learn about the show. If you know anyone who could use a little bit more passive wealth in their lives, please share the show with them and bring them into the tribe. Thank you for tuning in once again. I hope you have a great rest of your day and a great week. And we'll talk to you on the next one. Bye-bye.